of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is... Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from ColdsPlayAdition.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? That's pretty good. We are back with another episode for our reanimated series for Halloween. And last week we covered the esteemed zombie, which he didn't really like that much. So this week we're going with something a little bit different. We're outside of the normal, you know, just plain old zombie films. We're going with a zombie, sort of a, a comedy slash parody of the genre uh, with 1984's Return of the Living Dead. Now, I, I'm sorry, 84 slash 85. I think it released in 85, was made in 84. Had you seen this one before? Yes. You have seen it before. Like okay. once, a long okay. time ago. long time ago. I wasn't sure if you had or not because um I remember It's we, been long enough to where most of it's uh kind of new again. I remember we talked about it on the last episode a little bit and we had said that you had you had said you, you thought you had seen it on TV. And I don't know that a lot of TV channels play Return of the Living Dead, but they certainly used to play Return of the Living Dead Part 2 quite a bit. And that's really where my love of the of Return of the Living Dead came from is watching Part 2 on like I don't know Spike. if it was sci-fi or AMC, one of those. They used to play it constantly. Return of the Living Dead Part Two, um, which is you know similar in fashion, but it actually they kind of for the sequel they kind of uh, went a little bit um, more teenage with it. It's a PG thirteen rating for the sequel, so they kind of stripped away some of the um, you know some of the violence and uh, nudity of the original Return of the Living Dead for that one. But the original Return of the Living Dead took me quite a while to actually check out. Um, I think I watched it for the first time only a, a few years ago uh, when it came out on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. And I was pretty blown away by the film and my waiting to see it. Because I, I, I was like, I, I shouldn't have waited. I should have seen this a long time ago. I don't know why I didn't check it out sooner. Um, so the film is more of a parody of, uh, like, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, things like that, uh, where it takes the ideas of those films, specifically Night of the Living Dead, and then it kind of flips them a little bit, and um, it kind of gives the zombie genre the mistaken identity of having zombies seek brains, because that's kind of permeated now into, like, mainstream culture, like zombies want brains, but most traditional zombies never wanted brains at all. They they wanted flesh, 
the flesh of the living, whatever they could get. Return of the Living Dead kind of brought that, the brain part of it, into uh, popular culture. And so I think a lot of the times now we see a lot of zombies in, in culture and like cartoons and stuff. They're always like, brains, brains, which is interesting that, that the zombie genre kind of um, never used brains before. And then all of a sudden that became the staple of the, of the zombies. But this is where it came from. Return of the Living Dead. They want brains. Um, so, Return of the Living Dead's parody starts off right away because at the beginning of the film, we get a disclaimer that says this actually happened. These are, th- this, what you're seeing right now was a real story. And, you know, the people in it, they might have, they, they, they were, they actually happened. It actually, you know, exactly as we're seeing it. And, um, that's sort of interesting because like there's a meta commentary of this film within the film where it talks about night of the living dead and how that was really a true story. Uh, just everything had to be changed because Romero was going to get his pants sued off of him. If he didn't change the storyline of night of the living dead so that it didn't reflect reality. So there's kind of an interesting meta twist to this. And uh, we were talking about this a little bit in the past. Um, when we were talking about zombie films and how it's sort of frustrating now to have a zombie film where the people in the film aren't don't know the rules of zombie films. Like at this point, I feel like most films should adopt the idea that we've already had zombies within popular culture, and so people in a zombie apocalypse should know the basic rules of the zombie genre. It'd be the same thing with like a vampire. Film, right, like a modern day vampire film. What are these ghastly creatures? And that's that's an interesting point. In most films about vampires, they zone. they do exist already. Yeah. Like, they exist in popular culture. And people know about vampires. Well, maybe that's because there's like six hundred plus, you know, eight hundred years of, years of different folklore behind them. Right. I don't know. Maybe you know, trying to wipe Bram Stoker's Dracula from history is you know kind of too arduous of a task. <laughs> I'm under the. I, well, no, you're, you're you're right. It is like kind of frustrating. Like, oh, what do you do? Which makes this that much, you know, a nice breath uh, breath of fresh air right. when you see them. Like, you know, see the rules not really apply. A little bit more refreshing to see that they know what they're talking about and they're wrong. <laughs> they 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 actually like they know the rules, but they're they don't work. And they got so, it from a movie exactly. And so there's that kind of meta commentary about like you're watching a movie. And in this movie, Night of the Living Dead, the movie, actually was supposed to have happened. And so we're, it's, it's sort of an offshoot of Night of the Living Dead, you can say, because technically what happened in Night of the Living Dead's world is now the, the reason why things are happening in Return of the Living Dead. So interesting uh, roundabout way to get back to like zombie history within this film. Um, I, I like it. I, I like how they're going for that. And, and almost like uh, what Fargo did a little bit later on, where, you know, it starts out with like, this is a true story, but obviously it's not. And, and they keep, they've now expanded that as Noah Hawley has done four seasons of Fargo, each one of them starting off with, this is a true story. Um, I like that idea of like, you know. Are they really up to four seasons of Fargo? Now? Four seasons. Oh, wow. This, uh, uh, Let's see, September 27th is uh, the newest season of Fargo, Fargo mm-hmm. season four. Drop my nature glycerin. Chris Rock leading that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think the Return of the Living Dead immediately has an appeal because it's starting off with that Night of the Living Dead lore, um, and then it's kind of doubling back on that and saying, yeah, this, this stuff doesn't work. And what you know about zombie films is wrong because it was intentionally wrong because the army has said, you know, don't tell the real story about what happened. We're covering it up. Um, and so, which like, is funny though, that's like, you, yeah, you can make a movie about it, but yeah. Oh yeah. Here's well, maybe, maybe they felt, you know, hiding in plain sight was the way to do it. They can make a movie about it, pretend like it, it didn't happen. And then ever, no one will think that it really did happen. They think it's so outlandish that they didn't, you know, I, I like I like that idea. 
<laughs> um, but the other thing that we really start off with too is like that initial scene of um the army general who's basic his only job right now is to wait around for a phone call saying we found <laughs> the 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 zombies or or the uh, the trioxin chemical uh that was missing from the army shipment we found it so his his entire life is just spent for like, the past 15 years yeah, just, just spent been... going from place to place and then checking in on the fax machine slash uh commodore com. 6, commodore 64 yeah. printer that is that he's at this location so like basically 24 hours a day every day for 15 years this guy's just been going back and forth in his life. And no wonder he's a miserable son of a bitch when he comes home to his wife. <laughs> she says, I made lamb chops. And he's like, I had those for lunch. So miserable. So ungrateful. And he, other people would not pass up lamb well, chops. Well, you know what? He's probably like about ready to retire. And then they're like, yeah, wait, Jay, you can't retire until you get this found. Yeah, like he's he, just he like, literally cannot be, <laughs> he cannot leave his post until he, that stuff is found. Um... I, I like it. I like I like the way that it starts off right away. And very interesting uh, ideas at play within Return of the Living Dead, which we'll come back to in a little bit. But first, I think we want to take a break and talk about the beer that we have on the show today. So let's get into that. So we didn't have an Oktoberfest today. We didn't grab one of those. Um, but we had a beer on hand that makes sense topically for recent um what do you what do you call these they're they're not holidays but they're the the event that i'm just talking about is a (laughs) national day that's been somebody has said that day is this is the national day for this event what are those called bullshit days they're like fake holidays they're like they're like it's an event that we've coined but you don't get it off. <laughs> like, we can just put it on a calendar and we can have Alexa announce it. But it's not really an or actual Google, holiday. Or Google, you know. But it, it was, um, was it yesterday? Yesterday was uh, yes. National Voter Registration Day. Yeah. And um, hopefully you did get out and, and register to vote for the upcoming election. Very important. Um, so to I don't pour- like my podcasters talking about these things. You just, we're just entertainment. We don't get, we don't have a, we don't get to have a discourse or, uh, or, or even thoughts. <laughs> we can have thoughts about movies and that's about it. Um, for National Voter Registration Day, we have, the beer tied in perfectly. I happen to have it in my fridge, but it, it works out great. Uh, we have Brown's hashtag vote, which is part of Brown's hashtag IPA series. Um, if you've, you probably may not have heard of Browns. We've, I think we've done them on the show a couple times. They're a, a local brewery, um, microbrewery from uh, Troy, New York. And uh, they have a hashtag series of IPAs where they, they use basically the same can for each one. It says hashtag IPA on it. And they put out different versions of their IPA. Um, I think they've done in the past hashtag bikes, which I remember having. Um, and a couple others. I I, can't, I don't even know if I could name off the top of my head any of the others that they've had. Uh, but the newest in the series is hashtag vote. I'm assuming that just corresponds with the election year. They thought it would be a perfect fit, just like we thought it would be a perfect fit for National Voter Registration Day. And so we have hashtag vote on the show today. So you hadn't had this one before. Why don't we start with you, since you're being oh so quiet over there as well, and I'm basically carrying the conversation here <laughs> what do you think of hashtag vote well it's because i don't want to interrupt you you're such a uh, prolific speaker it's true it's good standard ipa oh you think so it's I... not not but not not like there's nothing outstanding about it nothing i think it has a nice like orange citrus flavor to it um the orange comes out a little bit more than your standard Nipa, I think. Um, and I, I think it's pretty good. It's got a nice blend of hops in it. I don't think it's overpowering. Um, I think it's a, you know, 
you're saying it's standard. I think they've gone a little bit further with it to vary the uh, citrus flavors. A lot of times with Nipa, the citrus flavor just comes across as tropical. You've got the tropical pineapple or the tropical I'm just mango. Getting, I'm just getting tropical. I don't get it on. Hmm. Interesting. I get more of like an orangey flavor to it. But maybe it's maybe it's my palate. It must be. Could be my palate. It's. I mean, it, like I said, it's uh, like we said before because we've done so many damn nipos now because it's now the IPA of the past year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. They got you got to do something really special to stand out from the crowd. It's true. And if you don't. You're probably gonna just be like, yeah, you're good, but uh, yeah. yeah. So you think move along next? Have it at a bar, try and move on. You think hashtag vote is more of a have it at the bar, and that's it. And be like, had this before, and then like try the next one. You're like, ah, you know what? It's all right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something tried and true, like the Mexican lager, or <laughs> uh, they have a pretty good Oktoberfest too, I think. I don't, I don't think no, I don't think they've done it. I don't think they've done it. I don't think they've done it. Now that I think about it, I think I'm thinking of Druthers. Yeah, so, hashtag vote. Uh, they're newest in the hashtag IPA series. If you see it out, it's going to look just like the any other hashtag IPA can. It's a black... What, what, what kind of design would you call that? Crosses? Yeah, I don't know. Cross-knit design? Um, it says hashtag IPA on it to know which kind of hashtag you've got and to make sure that you're not getting like an old version of the hashtag IPA series. Look on the bottom. It should tell you the canning date and it should tell you the name, the actual name of the beer that's in that can. Just a heads up for anybody that's looking to get into Because I thought when I got the can, I was like, this isn't hashtag vote. This is hashtag IPA. Little did I know. Look on the bottom of the can, and you find out what's really in it. Uh, Got to use that brain. That's right. Big brain. That's right. All right. So, getting into Return of the Living Dead. The longest preamble in cinema history. You think so? It's only like seven minutes. I've seen longer. I I think I've seen like 15 minutes before the credits pop in. But it does feel like a long time before you finally get to the... You know what I think is interesting is they make a really big deal about time zones. So like it keeps you right in the beginning of the film, you've got like a couple different time zone pop ups. One of the biggest, most known representation is the July 3rd pop up, which people like to pull out every July 3rd, right before July 4th to show that they appreciate Return of the Living Dead, so you'll see every day, oh, it's fine. I get to use this again. It's July 3rd. I get to use this well, image again. Well, we just had, you know, remember the night of September yeah. 12th. When, which, when did that become a thing? How many people are digging through, like, oh, let's uh, go through some old 70s, you know, soul songs and pull that out for a meme? I don't know. But I do know that everybody memes this one. <laughs> July 3rd. I don't know why. But it's a big meme in season, July third. Um, but yeah, they love the time zones in this initial setup. You know, they they got to tell us, oh, we're on Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you know, where it's like four o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Then we switch back. Oh, you know what? We're in California, so Pacific Standard Time. We're in Pacific Time, and the film likes to swap back and forth between that for a little bit, where it's like it's not important. The time zones don't make a difference to us, really. It doesn't matter. Well, it's, not even, it's just like a, well, it's not even swapping because um, that first bit where we see the colonel is the last time we see him to the very end of the film. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? That they bring him up, then he drops out of the the whole shenanigans for you know eighty eighty five minutes. He's gone again. Um, I thought that was interesting as well. I didn't really pick up on that on the, my first watch, or I don't remember it. But it's interesting that that colonel. Has nothing to do for the rest of the film until the the very end, which is a very very quick wrap up of of events. Um, Not only that, you could have a drinking game with this movie on that preamble with the Frank, the uncle, saying "son" and "kid." Oh, right, right. Says it about fifty times. I love I love James Karen in this movie though. 
as Frank. He has the opening sequences. He has such like um, I don't know, visceral reactions to things. It's great, and especially when he's telling the story about the army and um, Night of the Living Dead. Like rolling his eyes, he has really licking good, his yeah, lips. He has really good facial re- reactions about it. Like he's just chomping at the bit it's, to tell. He's been story. he's been waiting to tell somebody for. And you know 14. who he tells? An intern at a medical his nephew, medical his, supply. Yeah, his nephew, company. yeah, that were you know they just hired on. It's great. It's great. I love yeah, I love James Karen in this movie. He's really got, and actually all of the adults really I think do a really good job of. Not only, you know, just their regular acting, but really chewing scenery. Um, the kids, yep, they're okay I love, as well. I, say, I like love Bert as the straight man. Absolutely. He yeah. reminds me so much of uh, fucking Leslie Nielsen. Air- yeah. Clu- an airplane. Like Clu- you, Gulager is really good in this you film. Could, you could have easily had, you know, Leslie Nielsen in this, you know, running around being like, oh, shit. I, th- shit. I think the trio of adults, Clu Gulager, James Karen, and Don Kalfa, mm-hmm. who plays the... Uh, the morgue mortician mortician um they are really great together um i i mean i i'm not don't get me wrong i i think that the other the the punk kids are pretty good actors in themselves but i really think that the adults cement this here because they have such great reactions um don calfa i think is really really good as the mortician especially why is he a nazi well i, I don't know because um, when we hey with the subtitles on, when we get to introduce to him, it's not just classical music. It's fucking, you know. Uh, I don't know if he's a Nazi or if he's just German. I don't know. He carries a Walther P thirty eight around. <laughs> he's listening to music that was like in Triumph of the Will. <laughs> yeah, he is. Got yeah. that? Yeah, he's like. <laughs> seems like. I don't know. I I don't know if they were going quite for Nazi there, but. It is, yeah, it's funny. It's, uh, especially the whole carrying around a Walter because, like, right at, right at the beginning when he, um, uh, Bert comes in and he can't hear him because he's listening to this German soundtrack and he turns around with the gun out. It's great. Just, and, and then not only that, but he's basically running around with this gun throughout the entire film, just kind of like prancing through the halls doing his little, <laughs> uh, you know, his little, uh, stance to, make sure that he's gonna not gonna shoot anybody um it's a great touch and i think that they they all get along really well together and if you go back to that that first scene where um clue gulager and uh, don calf are together in the morgue uh really great quick witty uh trade-offs there um that sometimes feel um a little bit uh improvised i don't know if i don't know if that's completely true but uh, some of the some of the uh, trade offs that they have feel improvised. The rabid weasels. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's just like a a lot of really good lines that are even just thrown away, like very quickly dispersed into what is a, a quickly becomes a chaotic film. Um, that's one thing that I would define Return of Living Dead as is is as chaotic. Um, I don't know if you have you ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Yes, I like to. Call, I used to play that all the time on the old Spike TV. I like to say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is extremely chaotic and it has one of those uh, representations uh, for its actors of like just being a screamed film, like the entire ninety minutes, like every, there's screaming going on all the time, just constant screaming. Um, Return of Living Dead isn't to that point. It's not like that high up on the scale, but it's still very chaotic. Um, if you think about once the trioxin is released, there's really no let up for things that are happening. Um, and just on screen, there's all kinds of stuff happening at once. And I like that because it just lends the film um, a pacing that, you know, you don't always get. There's a lot of stuff going on in the scenes and being shouted and i think that is it it's perfect for the thematic elements of return of living dead because it should feel chaotic it should feel crazy because we're losing all control in this situation um and i do like the going back uh i do really i you know i did say the preamble is you know feels like it's forever but i do like it because i do think it sets up the film beautifully you know uh, <clears throat> having them at this medical lab and then you 
you know, uh, Frank, you know, telling Tommy about the, you know, asking if he's ever, you know, wanted to see a dead body, and he shows mm-hmm. him the cadaver, and then he's like, well, there's something even better than that we got here, and then explaining how there was a mix-up with uh, what happened, you know, the Night of the Living Dead, the film actually did happen, but the, the events that were in it aren't the same, he knows a little bit what happened, because he got the drums here at this facility, and he's been, you know, watching over them for 14 years, because the fucking army, which, that's the funniest thing, that like, he keeps cracking jokes at the army, being like, the goddamn D.O.T. at the army, fucked it up, sent us the wrong thing, and then, you know, making all the jokes, you know, continuing about the army, like, yeah, they're gonna fucking sue George Romero if he tells the real story, and then when they get to the shows in the bins, you know, that has the, says, you know, 251 Triox, and like, what's that? Oh, nothing. He, he's like, and he's like, oh, it's not going to leak out or anything. And he's like, no, fucking Army Corps of Engineers, best there is. <laughs> he just taps it, you know, burst open. You watch him go down to a heap, and then you get that great, you know, fucking theme for the film, you know. Yeah, the, dun, 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 yeah, the, the Return of the Living Dead theme. Yeah. Synth score. It's great. It's awesome, and, you know. Yeah. That, I like how they keep returning back to that idea of like shitting on the army. Pretty funny. Um, and and on even then when when like you said when Frank at least trusts in the army to have done one thing correctly, right, he's like de- yeah. designed the, the you know the vats with a little bit of a modicum of engineering skill. Not they didn't do that either. <laughs> that well, it's not like that too. He t- it says it set it up. He talks about how. They change the details of you know what happened in the film, but it's a you know it's a film. Things are different, and then when they're trying to figure out what the rules are, and they go, he grabs a pickaxe to shove into the head of the first zombie that we run into. It doesn't work. You just hear the zombie screaming <laughs> yeah. in, ag- in agony, like ah! yeah, yeah, yeah. and like oh fuck, oh fuck, what do we do? They're supposed to. Why did they kill it? I don't know. Yeah. That's what happens in the movie. Yo. That's where that's where it gets chaotic. Is that you have that like the zombies are constantly screaming, and they can talk in this film, so they're not just you know moaning and groaning. They're screaming. They they're, actually think. They're, they're actually, yeah, they're yeah, thinking like, zombies. They're carrying on, and. uh that's where it gets chaotic is that all this stuff is happening all at once on screen. And, uh, you have a lot of great, um, special effects and physical effects. They all come together to make a really chaotic film. And I think that's what return of living dead does so well. And, and not only that, but it has a lot of characters to it too. So you, you are, uh, mostly in two different areas. And with this film is kind of interesting because it doesn't really leave those areas very often. You are in either the crematorium or you're in the medical supply area and or the graveyard or the graveyard. And because of the fairly low budget on this film, there wasn't a lot of, you know, they they didn't have a lot of leeway to like leave those areas. They have three settings and that's it. Um, And normally in a film that you have only a couple of settings, that's difficult to pull off because you're just it's hard to plot around such a small location. Um, and you have, you certainly have films that do it well. Night of the Living Dead being a prime example of a film that really doesn't have many settings, but still does it well and carries the film uh, throughout without having to leave those areas. But it's, it's, it's generally hard to do. Uh, but again, this film does it. And part of that reason is because it has the multitude of characters where it can kind of swap back and forth between those, those areas um, and focus on different characters at one time. One thing that I think is um, interesting about Return of the Living Dead being a parody is that it does a pretty good job of showing the uh, the horror of turning into a zombie, more so than some films that are legitimately about you know would, trying to do the al- horror of zombies. I would almost say it's not a parody. Mm. Maybe in today's standards, because we have you know an extra thirty five years tacked on. I don't think when it came out, though, but I think it's just more like of a black comedy take on, mm-hmm. you know. I think I think parody would, you know, would fit the modern context, like a Shaun of the Dead, but I don't think they were probably going for parody then. Yeah. Yeah, but even the comedy element to it, you know, they, they're they showing the change of human to zombie, especially with Bert and, um, with, uh, Bert. And Tommy. And, no, Tom is his real name. 
Tom uh Tom Matthews is the real wow. name. His his name in the in the movie is Freddie. So Tom Burton, Freddy, oh. <laughs> so Bert and Freddy, they're uh, exposed to the trioxin really quickly uh, as they suck in the putrid gas of Tarman leaking out of the uh, the army container. Which that was an awesome when you see the opening credits too, with like the watching, you know, the of, of the the zombie dissolve, and yeah, the, and into like nothingness, yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, time lapse that they did there of uh, special effects work. But, um, so Freddie and Bird, they're, or, uh, Fr- Freddie and Frank, sorry, they're immediately exposed. And so throughout the course of Return of the Living Dead, we get to see them sort of tra- change from human to zombie. And the film does a really good job of showing the perspiration on Frank. That's true. Yeah. That would be great if they stuck with that, you know, showing him like perspiring more and more because he went from. Just looking normal, then like his underarms are fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah, pre, you know, pretty soaked, and then like slow, just watch, you know, slowly his like shirt it's a, become it's a very sweaty movie. Um, so what did you, what did you think about that? Because I, I we've seen we and we've actually covered we covered Dawn of the Dead the remake where it does try to show the change from person to zombie, and it doesn't do a very good job because it doesn't understand or it doesn't try to come up with the actual logistics of, you know, this is the process that a person would go through from changing from human to zombie after being exposed. And I think that Return of Living Dead has that. It has a process in place. Yeah, I, I like it. I like, you know, they... Obviously, the whole trioxin, you know, thing is, you know, the big bit because, you know, Romero's films, there's... Why are there zombies? Don't know. Yeah, there's no no reason. Here, you know, they give you a reason and... We see the dead reanimate quickly because they're already dead. You know, uh, Freddie and Frank. You know, it's kind of it's really cool to watch them because they're live and healthy. Watch them slowly. You know, just die, and then like the effects of like being dead. You know, and even though they're still alive and thinking, all signs point to them dead. And you got you know. Uh, the mortician sitting there being like, yeah, you got Rick and Morris, and he's like snapping his neck, you know, <laughs> snapping him around, and yeah, you know, and he's, you know, and you hear, you're hearing them like scream in agony, like, ah, you know. I've always felt the, uh, the, the agony of death in this film is pretty well portrayed because they show the bruising, the discoloration, yeah, and the, it's, it's, the bloating. It's good effects, um, certainly like realistic death effects. And not only that, but you get like the actors portraying it, uh, look just like being very sickly, and and I've I've felt like that was even though this is a comedy, that element really comes across as something that's sort of um, disturbing because of how well they portray the the pain and agony of death. And there's that one scene where they're interviewing the 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 top half of the zombie torso that they've pulled through the door. Uh, they've got her strapped down to a gurney and they're asking like, why are you eating brains? Like what, what, what's the deal with them? And, uh, she's saying, you know, it's the pain of death. I can feel myself rot. And the film, you know, for being comedic, that's pretty black. That's pretty dark for, you know, for, for that comedy element to it. Um, which I, I think is a, a testament to the film's other side of, of making sure that it also gets the horror element of the movie across. Um, I think they did a really good job with that. Um, and speaking of that scene, the effects are pretty detailed too, because you can even see like the little tailbone part of swishing around and the spinal fluid leaking out onto the table, the table, which is a really good attention to detail uh, from that scenario. It's just like seeing all of the, the actual elements of decay in your face and, and, you know, shooting it that way. I think it's I think it's a really good uh respect for the craft. Um so we didn't talk about the horror punk people and the horror punk elements of Re- Return of the Living Dead that have uh What was know, up with 80s like horror films and just shoving in, you know, punk, punk and and uh was it cuz it's you know the Reagan years like oh these little shits have it coming, you know. Yeah. It fucking, was you know fucking don't like Reagan will fuck you. Yeah, this this film is is very punky. It's one of the 
you know, there are other films in the horror genre that also uh, are part of like the punk scene. Friday Thirteenth, right? Three. Yep, Friday Thirteenth <laughs> certainly has its elements, but this one is a lot punkier, and it has. I know, we got that soundtrack. You know, yeah, it has a nice band of punks uh, in this film that it really accentuates. Makes you think of New Year's Evil. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yep. Uh, but uh, the punks in here are really fodder for. The what zombies. awful names too! They sound like they belong in Death Wish Three. Well, like, you got scuzz, you yeah, got spider, suicide, trash, uh, which is played by Linnea Quigley. Yep. yep. Surprised you didn't yell that out when you were watching. Usually, Everybody knows that Linnea Quigley's in this. This is one of her I know, prime but, examples. I know, but horror. I know, but you usually, you know, anytime we watch a movie, like, oh, there she is. There's her boobies. <laughs> yeah, pretty do you, much. Do you think she like she, uh, someone's like, okay, Linnea, you don't have to take your clothes off? She's like, no, I have to. I don't know. I, I, think- I just. No, you don't have to. It's not necessary. I get paid to do the. Do I'm, the, I'm oh. pretty sure that they are paying Linnea to take her clothes off in in most of these films, uh, especially this one, because she barely spends any time clothed in this movie. The first seven minutes or so are like the only times that you're going to see her clothed in the whole thing. Well, they're all they all to me just look like they wandered a little too far off the Death Wish three set. Like Bronson was getting ready to, you know, they could be the the punks and yeah, yeah, and you know, in Queens that he's mowing down, you know, with a brownie or or the Warriors even. You know, they could be no. part of the Warriors crew. Stop. Yeah. Stop. You're yeah. embarrassing yourself. The what? Warriors are well respected. <laughs> These wouldn't be well respected punks. No, they're the orphans. They're the yeah. They ain't no mean rot the orphans. What do you think of Suicide's um, earring to lip combo? Trying too hard, bro. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Looks like he's a dog chained. I like it. It's when I see shit like this, it just makes me think, like, oh, trying too hard. So you think, like, they, they were... Overextensuated. They, tri- they tried, they wanted to have punks in it, punk scene in the film, but they went a little too far with it. They're over, like, exaggerated. It's not authentic punk. Yeah. No. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I I think like um some of the script for the punks is a little on the nose. Um. Again, I, they gave them names like suicide. Yeah. Linnea Quigley, her her trash character is you know trash. obviously supposed to be tongue in cheek a little bit because she's supposed to be the ironic one of saying like you know what I would yeah. like I, the, I, the I, worst the worst thing is to be. Mauled by old men to death as they're grabbing me. Yeah, and and she's having, you know, sort of a sexual awakening from it. Um, I think, like, obviously that was meant to be ironic later on, but... What is Tina's deal? She's the good one of the group. Like, how did she get in? Like, were they all friends in, like, elementary school? And as they all, like, you know, like, we need to listen to some more Black Flag. She's like... I don't know, guys. I really, really like the the Osmond twins. She's um, she is interesting. Like where, how she fits in? Because you would think like she would be the the castaway, the person that the punks would make fun of, uh, for being too preppy. And the same thing with the other guy that looks like uh, uh, Crispin Glover. Glover. Yeah, yeah, Crispin yeah. Glover. Uh, he also has sort of that. No, but see, he he to me kind of makes sense because he's like the ironic punk because he's dressed up, you know, like, s- sort of preppy, like yeah. as in like irony, like oh, you know, I'm wearing argyle socks because I... he's dressed up like stray cats yeah. or something like that. <laughs> well, I told you, I told you how this movie was missing, you know, horror rockabilly like uh, Halloween too. I mean, in a way, that's sort of where horror rockabilly came from is is stray cats and well no like films like this where the horror punk element is within is in it uh and the cramps make an appearance here big you know punk horror uh aficionados um that i don't i I don't love punk but um i know a lot of horror fans do like horror punk and things (laughs) like that um and and this, this film is like the Horror the film. film for that uh because not only does it have those uh punks as its characters but it shoehorns in punk songs like at every turn party in, time in, party time yeah, in like in scenes that you might think 
it doesn't fit. I love how it clashes with the synth score, too. Super 80 synth score. It's great. Best of both worlds. I mean, I like it, though, in an, in a way that just says this is, this is early 80s. You know, this is uh, a film of the time. I, I like it for that reason. No, do I, I like do it. I, do I think it, it fits that well with the film on the soundtrack? Not really. I don't. Wait, are you talking about the score or the punk? The punk. The punk music being just shoved in, you know, at every turn. Because, especially because it does feel out of place um, in the scenes where the punks are not the main um, characters, you know, because it does shove a whole bunch of punk music in during scenes where Clue Gulager is leading things. And it doesn't, it just, it just kind of clashes with like what's being shown on screen. Um, I understand why they did it, but I don't know that it's the best soundtrack for what's going on. But, you know, I'll allow it <laughs> because I think it does work from an 80s perspective. I like it. This is what they did. I like it. I think it's just a nice clash. I like them dancing around the graveyard and just hearing party time, party time, do. party time. And they quickly right. naked in that. And if you, look, if you look closely, as most people probably did... <laughs> Linnea Quigley's got like a little pasty on on her vagina. I wouldn't even say pasty. I think no, it looks like she's wearing a bodysuit. Yeah, it's 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 like pasty outfit that is meant to obscure because it was just going to be too much. That'd get you an X, huh? That'd get you an X. Yeah, it's just too much. Just uh, you know, can we see a Barbie doll area? Sure. Can you see the actual pubes and things like that? No, absolutely not. It's too much. Great. I just love that she's running around bare ass and still got yeah. There's a, there's a lot of scenes of her, of just, her just going around like she's got like a little jacket on and bare ass and fucking leg. Her leg warmers are still on. I do that all the time at home. Just walk around with leg warmers on like that. No, not like with leg oh, it's cold. Hold on, let me roll not, the leg. Warmers. Not with leg warmers, but you know, like a shirt and no pants on. Why not? Walk around bare ass, <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> there's a. There's a uh, vision. Spider's got the best Jerry curl in the world in this, too. And he keeps it. He keeps it for a while. Because he also shows up in Friday the 13th, uh, part part six? Part six, right? Part, which one is it? Now I can't remember. Um, But yeah, Miguel Nunez Jr., he keeps that Jerry curl around for a while. Because part, let's see, Friday the 13th, part six... Doesn't happen until 1985, and this, uh, well, no, actually, so I guess it was same year. My bad, my bad. Same year. So, a I guess he beginning. doesn't keep it around as long as, as uh, yeah, actually, it's a new beginning. So, How is that possible? What do you mean? The Friday the 13th and the fourth one. It's the final chapter. That's right. The final chapter. So, I was wrong. It's not part six. Um, but no, well, go on. But uh, he has the Jerry curl here. I, every time I see him, I th- well, I think I just want I have my head playing like Rick James Super Freak. Yeah, he's a super freak, super freak, super freaky. Bing, ding, ding, ding. Anytime I see him, I think, damn those enchiladas. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, and this is the, actually again another film where he actually doesn't really have a name. He has a nickname. And a new beginning, his name was Demon. Are you me are you telling me his mama didn't name him Spider with a Y? That's not with a Y actually. Um, According to the credits, it's just Spider regularly. Some punk he is. I know. Proper grammar and all. I would I would go with Spider with a Y. If if it were me. But can't even be a punk right. That's right. Um, let's talk about the, the gore effects here, because there are quite a bit of, uh, zombie effects and, um, you know, blood and guts and stuff like that. What did you think about the gore special effects? Good. Um, the only one I didn't really care for overall, I think the effects overall in this film are very good. You know, um, from, you know, Tar Man watching him dissolve Mm -hmm. and watching all the other zombies and when they bite into the brain. 
They don't really directly show that happening, but the blood effect that they have, like, spurting out is always awesome and very violent. There's that good uh, scene where the paramedics come, or it's the cops, actually, that come, and they see the paramedics dead, and there's that brain ooze that comes out, too. That's a really good scene. Yeah, they're all, and, you know, from the zombie that's tied down to the gurney, and uh, Frank and Freddy, you know, they look great as we watch them slowly die. The only one I didn't really care for at all is the the first zombie we run into, because he's like a tad weirdly greed. And <laughs> yeah, looks, yeah, the green and he, guy. And he just looks like a fucking gelatin goof. He reminds thing. me of those green suits. Yeah, you know, like those, like you know, yeah, the, the wacky green suit guys. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that's what that reminds me of. Now I it's, don't, I don't exactly understand why he's green. Do you? Did you catch that? No. From the, from the I gas, I maybe? Really... I don't, I, you know, from the trioxin, maybe? Because the trioxin, like, when we always see it getting released, it's green. Yeah. Like, a greenish I mean, yellow. I don't know that I actually caught why he would, unless it was, like, a formaldehyde sort of thing. It where... just makes me think of, like, the fucking uh, woman that was bloated to shit in the Dawn of the Dead remake, getting wheeled in a wheelbarrow, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that's the only one that kind of looks tacky. Overall, it all, you know, looks, the effects on this film are, you know, Pretty damn good. Yeah. You know. And then there are some that are meant to look kind of goofy, like the arm that falls out of the yeah. trash bag. Obviously, that's meant to look kind of cheesy, because that's the whole point of it. But other than that, I think they did a really good job on the effects work. Um, the, one of my favorite effects is more of like a, what they did for like the camera trick shot of showing... Once the, which is also a great thing too, when they go and like, how do we, well, we can't shoot the, you know, destroy the brain, doesn't work, so let's, that's how they end up in the moratorium, like, oh, we're gonna just, we'll throw the body in the cremation, and it'll get turned to dust, and job's done, we'll be yeah. home free, and because they have the trioxin in their body, when they get burned up, it gets shot out the chimney, as, you right know, into the atmosphere, and, you know, as gas again, and then it, you know, mixes with the clouds, and when it precipitates, it rains and drops that down. That's what causes the zombies to reanimate. I that's really cool. It's an environmental film. You know, it's a really you know really great thought they put into that. But what's even cooler is the shot they have of watching the water go through the ground and watching it run through water veins. Yeah, and you know, reach, it's like a cutaway. Yeah, where they're showing. They, we go into the ground, and then they, the camera goes and watch, down and watches and watch, you know, watches the trioxin, then work its way into the ground, and then yep. get to the coffins, and then watching the zombies pop up from the ground. That's very cool. There are spots where they skimp when, like, you see like the group of hundreds of zombies. You can see some are just colored slightly green. <laughs> yeah. There's some that look like they just have some moss on them. Like, there's some you can see like they didn't put any makeup on. They're supposed to just be off to the side. We can now. Thanks to 4K Blu-ray, you can see clearly, like, oh, that guy's asshole just got a little green on his head, you know. Yeah. The extras they couldn't afford to put all that work into, but. But overall, no, the facts and the gore, very good, you know. I think they did a really good job with it. Um, You know, for a film that's more comedy than horror, they really still have a lot of gore effects in there. Um and I think they, you know, they, they succeed for the most part. Well, some are a little um, underwhelming, like your green guy, I agree. Uh, the others, like Tarman, has been lasting. You know, that uh, Tarman design is still very uh, appreciated to this day. And uh, you can see why. I mean, it just, it looks good. It looks cool. Um, very impressive overall. And uh, you're right. I think, like, the some of the shots that Dan O'Bannon picks, cinematography wise for this film, um, heightens what could have otherwise been you know something of a generic zombie film. Uh, there's a lot of creativity to the to the uh, types of shots that he uses. You you said the the one where the rain's coming down and um, we get that image of going into the ground and seeing that happen. Um, there's another one. I like the, the shot of the, like, kind of the Dutch angle on the gurney, which is where you get to experience, like, the zombie moving around and seeing her spinal cord move and things like that. That, like, some of those things accentuate the best elements of what the effects are doing in Return of the Living Dead. I think it's, uh, 
you know, it, it, it elevates the film a little bit more than just being, you know, standard zombie film with standard shot, you know, shot A, shot B, things like that. They're, they're creative with their shot choices, and it, it shows. Um, let's see, what else did we talk about? Did I mention everything that you wanted to talk about? Can't remember. It's got a really banging synth score. It does. Kind of covered. Um, clearly, after you know rewatching this, you can tell this is where Zombie Ate My na- Neighbors got their you know inspiration <laughs> for their uh, score for their game. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely uh, has quite the synth score. It's awesome. It's a yeah. It's a good. It's a good score. Even uh, even my nine month old son was rocking out to it, so <laughs> he was enjoying it. Um, just trying to think if there was anything else that we did. Oh, the ending, which is sort of a, you know, down nice, the ending. Nice Doctor Strange love ending. Yeah, where they, you know, I I just love that after all the hell they go through trying to get, you know, call the cops and, you know, watching them all get picked off, which is really cool too, seeing the zombies actually, you know, though I'm generally not in favor of. I kind of appreciate with the. Uh, for that, with this film, with them being smart thinking and using like trapping people and shit, mm-hmm. you know, um, I do like that. After all this time, they're trying to get a hold of the cops, can't do it, can't do it. And Bert sees on the trioxin because he hasn't seen the trioxin barrels. Which, by the way, it's his warehouse. What do you mean he didn't re- see these fucking <laughs> barrels that were just sitting down in the basement the entire time? He doesn't time? do the. the it was literally by the phone that he knew was right down there. Yeah. He didn't know that you know <laughs> these barrels were. Barrels he didn't there. ask like, hey. Frank, what the hell are these fucking, you know, nothing. Besides the point. But, they had stamp on a 1-800 number. And he calls up and, you know, he's telling the colonel what's going on and he's taking diligent notes. Like, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Go on. And how many? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and they, yeah. alright, I'll put you back to the captain. And they're like sitting there like, Oh God! What's taking so long? What are they gonna do? I don't know. And like, hey, do you hear that? And you, <laughs> you hear a nuke go off, and yep. the colonel's telling the president it's been a big success, and that you know, oh no, there's a burnt rain that's burning people's skin. No, we should just clear everything out. Everything yeah, will not, be okay. It's, yeah. it's not a concern, really. Yeah, you know, really. and then we're watching that it's all gonna be happening all over again. I really like that. It's really funny. I think um, it's, I think it's a little. It's al- it's a nice. It's like almost a nice. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's like a nice little commentary on, especially at the end of the you know mid eighties. You know when the Cold War winding down about um, <clears throat> nuclear destruction. You know, not being uh, probably the best course of action because maybe this will happen. Right, and and, yeah. and it is sort of like an environmental. Um, film as well of talking about like we well, can't just not there's there's not always an answer to like the problems that you create they they're going to create other problems and in this case you know burning as a zombie yes you've gotten rid of the threat there but now it's up into the atmosphere coming down as acid rain and causing an even bigger issue and so there's that environmental element to the film as well um i think that the ending of the film is a little abrupt because we don't see that kernel except for bookending the film at the beginning and at the end. I would have liked to have seen that develop a little bit more than just, you know, that one. Cause it seems <laughs> that like one it, scene of it, him being like, yeah, I'm waiting. and Yeah, it just kind of disappears. Like, you know, and, and if you're not paying attention, you might have forgotten about it, that this guy was even in the film in the first place. Um, but... I do like the ending because it does have that sort of, again, chaos of, you know, you know what we're going to do with this situation? No, we're not going to try to fix it. We're just going to fucking blow it up. And we're just going to start <laughs> over again. You know what? 4,000 dead, leveled 20 blocks. That's not bad. You know, that that casualty rate, not too bad for what it could have been. That's how Mitch McConnell was created. That's right. That's, that's, how, right, be, that's yeah. how he became a turtle. Because <laughs> it does take place in Louisville. Yeah. So you, that's how he became Turtle Man. Yeah. And so I do because like, this is a real movie. Yeah, these, these exactly really, happened. Yeah, I like the I like how it ends. I think it's a little bit abrupt in the scope of the plot, but um, it does have a nice ending that just solidifies the fact that we're this is not the end. 
there are, you know, they fuck really fucked up this time. I also like it too, just because most zombie films put themselves into this corner of they're hunkered down, they're outnumbered, and either they try to break free, break out, or you know they get overrun. They don't get the option here. They got nuked. <laughs> no, <there's laughs> so, no, you know, there's no surviving. I, you know, I mean, one day when we finally review the original Dawn of the Dead, that's one of the biggest problems with the ending. It's fucking Ken Forey at the end, fucking turning into the eight team and just <laughs> kung fu kicking his way out yeah, of there. Yeah. You know, and to a happy ending. You know, instead of what Romero had planned of like him shooting himself in the head and Francine like you know throwing herself into the helicopter blade. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, they get to live happy, you know. This one, yeah, this one is not that. They don't live happily ever after. Uh, it, it shows that it's doomed to repeat again. And I like that. I like that ending. I think it's, uh, it, despite the abruptness, I think it's a, it's a perfect ending for them. And I, and I don't, like I said, I don't know if they were borrowing from Strangelove, but it's definitely the ending from Strangelove of, you know, Major Kong, Ryan's bomb. Yeah. You know, onto Russia, and then you get the nice nu- nuclear destruction. That's all they were missing is like, we'll meet again. No, nowhere. Yeah. I no, think, we got the punk songs and stuff. Yeah, I think the only thing that bugs me about the ending is that they just reused the footage from initially where the rain is coming down and uh, dripping into the coffin. I actually like that callback. That. You like that? Yeah. I think it's, you don't think it's just, uh, it's cheap. Lazy. It, it, it's cheap and lazy, but I like it because it's, you know, it's, well, like I said, it's one of the best, like, shots and things about this film. It's, like, those parts, so. I get, like, to show that I it's going to happen again. Yeah, like, I think they're just showing the repetition. Like, literally, it's just going gonna, gonna to keep happening. So, I get the idea, the theme behind it. I didn't, I don't know if I love show, do, using the exact same footage again. You know, and I have a hard time, too, after a small tactical, tactical, Small tactical nuclear weapon being used on Louisville, Kentucky. Two days later, fucking Reagan's going to show up. Like, <laughs> Hello, Americans. Yes, them. Yeah. He's going to Kentucky. Yeah. That was- They're not going to say why a small nuclear weapon was used to, you know, dispatch of this, pro- like, you know, why. They're not going to give it- a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, why he's down there. He's just like, Hello. Yes, um, um, uh, the, your nuclear power plant had a reaction failure. Like, eh. we don't have one. Hey, shut up. <laughs> yep. All right. I think we've talked about pretty much everything that we. Maybe had. that'll be a mission in the new Call of Duty Cold War. Ooh. Because you get to Ronald Reagan's going to be sending you on fighting tyranny yeah, you, against the free you got world. Your uni- United States duty. From Ronald Reagan? Yeah, he, you oh, know, right. protecting the free world from mm. commies and other delinquents. All right, so let's give Return of the Living Dead a rating. So on a score of, uh, let's say, let's say out of a score of 10, Linnea Quigley asses, because <laughs> that's pretty much what you see, what would you give Return of the Living Dead? I'll give it an 8. Very good film. It's funny. It's witty. Uh, like we said earlier, the adults are fucking hilarious together. Um, I personally love Bert. He's so damn good. So damn great. And uh, Frank's really great, too. Um, the effects are great. The jokes are funny. It's a nice original take. Um, it's a quick, easy watch. A lot of fun. Still got great gore, still got some good scares in there too, you know, with like some of the effects and what goes on. I love how campy, especially now with like the whole fucking punk thing is now, you know, by 85, that's starting to, you know, die, you know, die down as a trope in 80s films, but still great to see. And I love the clash between the punk music and, you know, the nice 80s synth score. It's great. It's a good, very, this is a very good film. And outside of Linnea Quigley's boobies and ass hanging out all around, that's probably the only reason why they probably didn't show this on TV as much because they're like, oh, that's about 20 minutes. We got to cut out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. 
Yeah, I'd probably give it an eight as well. I think it's a really fun film. I like I said, it's chaotic. It's a film that you can watch and it it really just brings you through each section because there's a lot happening at all times. Um I think that it has its you know, it has its funny parts. It has a side of horror to it as well, especially when you see the change from human to zombie. I think that's done really well, uh, better than some actual like straight horror movies. I think this film really does uh, show the terror of changing from human to zombie and knowing it, especially since in this film, zombies have their faculties about them. So they know what they're doing and they know, uh, you know, they can feel the pain. So I think that that does a really good job of, of showcasing a different side of zombies that we don't get normally in films. Um, I like the interaction between all three of the adult characters, which they do a really great job. I think they're, they're outstanding together. Um, and, you know, the punk, punk kids, too, they're, they're not bad. Um, I think that mostly they're just fodder, though, so they're not really meant to be specifically, like, good actors or anything like that they're they're more fodder for the zombies um so i think that most of all the gore effects are really well done uh which is important for this film because it's really banking on the whole eating brains thing so squeamish people uh are going to be already put off by the whole brain eating thing and we get that in spades um so i think they did a really good job with that so overall, a really fun film. Uh, it has a perfect, I think, a really perfect mix of horror and comedy together, which really ends up being like a, a black comedy at the end of the film because it's it's got a lot of downbeat elements to it that um, even the end of the film comes off as you know a, a darker conclusion than some other zo- even zombie films or horror films, you know, straight films. So really fun. Definitely should watch it if you've never seen it before, because it's pretty much a cult zombie classic. All right, that about does it for Return of the Living Dead. We are uh, next week going to be back again with another film, and I think it's I think it's Reanimator this time. I want to say um, I'm just gonna have to take a quick look because I haven't memorized your schedule, but I I want to say we said Reanimator. Um, I think it's reanimated, then 28 days later, then White Zombie, and then Shaw. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's it's uh, reanimator next. Um, so that should be a fun one. You've seen reanimator before, right? Nope. Oh, you've never seen reanimator, so that'll be a fun one. It'll be good. It has a lot of great lines to it. You'll you'll find out. You'll find out mm-hmm. all the great lines in it. Uh, it's based off of an H.P. Lovecraft story. Herbert West Reanimator. Um, Listen, there's only one H.P. Lovecraft story movie, and that's the one with Sutter Kane. <laughs> yeah. Um, this so this one is uh, really fun. Um, oh no, we were wrong. Twenty eight days later is next. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness! Oh, I forgot. I forgot about Train to Busan. Yeah, Train to Busan. Yeah. All right. Mm, so son of a bitch. About this, we're we're wrong. Twenty eight days later is the next one. You have seen 28 Days Later. Yes, I have. I know that. There's that great post-rock song in it. Remember that one? Sure. You don't remember it? Well, mm. you'll, you'll soon find out. Um, all right, so 28 Days Later next week, then Train to Busan, then Reanimator. So we got, we got a little ways to go. And then White Zombie. Then White Zombie. And then Sean. That's right. I so, like this. We're going to be doing this all fucking uh, marathon. What's... What's next? Ah, uh, we don't know. Yeah. Listen, listen, I don't memorize it. Listen, we're just Bill O'Reilly, and we're going to do it live. Fuck it. We are. We, that's what we do. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that's what we do. We just do it live. Fuck it. We should name that the podcast. Do it live. Fuck it. I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, we, we don't do any edits, really, either. So we're just, we're just like... Stream of conscience. Whatever. Do it all. Um, you didn't talk about your favorite line of this film actually oh yeah thinking about it oh clue yeah. gulager yeah no it's it's great when they're fucking talking keeps talking about the reputation of his company and they're like oh shit the zombie got out and he's like shit 
Shit! Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's great. This is a great delivery. <laughs> That's like you're going to be your catchphrase now. That's Shit! Our- Shit. That's already my catchphrase at fucking work. I'm like right. constantly just that's like someone when they're telling me like, "Hey, you got to over the radio." Like, "Hey, you got to copy." Shit. Shit. Yep. That should be your catchphrase. Actually, if anything, it's like if they call up our department and they're like, "Yeah, we have a wrong item." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, fuck." Yep. All right, so we will see you back next week for 28 days later thanks for spending your halloween season with us as we it's go. not too late to you know, do all the resis it's not too late but it's not too late yeah uh thanks for spending your halloween season with us as we do our zombie films for our reanimated series uh we hope you'll come back we're on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of itunes stitcher uh google podcasts apple podcasts um Pretty much everything. We're on it. So if you uh, like us, subscribe and leave us a nice review. It really helps out um, sharing the, the show. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum. Uh, we are also on Twitter at uh, blood and black rum. And we have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, what movies you want us to cover in the future, and we will take that into consideration. Finally, you can donate to us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Anything that you can donate really helps us keep the show running. Uh, we appreciate anything that you can give. Uh, until next time, we will uh, see you later, and hopefully you have a great week. Take care.